Jesus spoke seven last words or phrases on the cross. He wasn't silent about his experiences there, but he shared enough information for us to understand the pain of the cross and also the purpose of the cross. The fourth statement that he makes is called the cry of agony. It's found for us in Matthew 27 and verse 46. This is what it says. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I'm very much impressed with people who can quote scripture in difficult times. And Jesus did this at this very crucial point on the cross. Because the phrase, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, came straight from Psalm 22, which we know as a messianic psalm. And as Jesus quoted this psalm, indeed, as the psalm itself is referred to at least five times while Jesus is hanging on the cross, He's giving us insight and understanding about the terrible suffering of the cross, but also its purpose. Those who were mocking Jesus didn't read Psalm 22. If they did, they would know that at the very end of the psalm, this messianic psalm, it would tell them that the sufferer who hung on the cross would be vindicated and would triumph. At a crucial moment on the cross, God turned his back on his son. The text, as we read it, forces us to ask the question, why? And to ponder what happened. Jesus carried the burden of our sin upon him on the cross. He became sin for us in order that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The death of the incarnate Son of God on the cross was necessary for our salvation. I'd like to take this phrase, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, and talk about it in order. And try to piece it together and figure out exactly why Jesus is saying that. Obviously, he's saying it to claim that he is indeed the Messiah, something they didn't believe that he was. But the Messiah wouldn't come down off the cross, get on a white horse and and just bring all of the soldiers into into Jerusalem and throw the Romans out. Instead, Jesus says the Messiah would save us in a different way and bring about the victory over sin. Did you notice that Jesus said this phrase, my God, twice? My God, my God. They thought he was calling Elijah. But he said it twice, and it reminds us of the grace of God in the face of terrible suffering. In the midst of pain and utter separation, Jesus did not lose his faith. It's easy for us as humans when we suffer bad times to wonder where God is and to think that God has left us and forsaken us, and God is fickle and and he doesn't really care about us. But Jesus knew different. In the midst of all of this pain, at the beginning, uh, in in this fourth uh, statement on the cross, Jesus believed and trusted 
that God was still with him. God's grace vindicated Jesus at the end of the resurrection. In fact, at the beginning of the resurrection, or I'm sorry, at the beginning and the end of the crucifixion, Jesus addresses God as the Father. But here he calls him my God. It's a personal statement. Even though all the disciples and all the hope they had had fled, Jesus did not lose his faith. He didn't stop trusting that God was his God, my God, a personal God. God's grace is shown in God's acceptance of Jesus as an appropriate sacrifice on the cross for us, the means of redemption for all mankind. He was obedient to God, even to the cross, and it pleased the Father. Even in the face of terrible suffering, Jesus did not lose his faith or did not stop believing in what God was doing. When we face difficult times of suffering, we can follow the example of Jesus and fling ourselves into the arms of a loving God who has the best in store for us and a wonderful plan for our lives. Jesus said, why? My God, my God, why? This refers to the incarnation and the necessity of the cross. Why did Jesus have to be forsaken? Why did he have to die on the cross? Why was that necessary? Couldn't God just save everybody? Snap his fingers, put a big neon light in the sky, and it would be done and over with? But the cross was necessary. It was necessary because God required the one true sacrifice that could pay the penalty for our sins that could redeem us from our sins. He had given to Moses the plans of how to conduct sacrifices. And the people of God, the Israelites, would come and bring God offerings and gifts and would lay their hands on the animals. The innocent would suffer for the guilty. But no human or no animal sacrifice could ever pay the penalty for our sins. It had to be God himself who gave himself on the cross. The true and only incarnate Son of God alone could pay the price. No one or no thing else could. And if you hold to any other idea about it, then you are not seeking the truth and understanding the truth of the word. As a matter of fact, you can tell someone who follows the orthodox Christianity of the Bible based solely on how they look at the cross. Early Christians, some of them known as heretics, thought that Jesus as the Son of God only seemed to have a natural body. Some of them suggested that his deity came upon him at baptism, but it left him on the cross. Judaism thinks of Jesus as just a man who was executed and later, later given divine status by the Christian church. Islam says that Jesus never, ever died on the cross, nor did he die for anyone's sin. Jesus is not God, but a man. God never came down to earth in the form of a man to die for our sin and forgive us. Buddhism says Jesus was just a great person, but not a personal savior, because no person or personhood actually exists. If you hold to the fact that Jesus didn't die on the cross, that he wasn't the son of God, then you're missing the point, the why of the crucifixion. 
It was precisely because that which was most of all precious would die on the cross to save us from our terrible sin. There was nothing worth that except Jesus, God's son, as they died on the cross, as he died on the cross. The cross and what happened there is essential for the Christian faith. Paul wrote for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved it is the power of God. Paul said we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Paul himself argued that he determined not to know anything among the people at Corinth except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The incarnate Son of God hung on the cross for us. He bore our sins on the cross. Our debt was nailed to the cross. We are reconciled to God through the cross. The cross is essential and necessary. As terrible as agony it was, and the pain that he suffered there, it was still important for him to go to the cross. And we don't want to reduce it. We don't want to stop thinking about it. We want to understand that it was necessary for our salvation and thank God for why it took place. Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Forsaken. The idea of forsaking Jesus is that in that one moment, God looked away from him and he of all people, God's son, was forsaken by God. God had to do that because God had to take him as that true and ultimate sacrifice for our sins. It does speak about the utmost or ultimate wrath of God. Jesus asked God why he has forsaken him. This points to God's wrath against sin, not wrath against Jesus. Jesus was the innocent sufferer, but God's wrath was rejecting Jesus because he was rejecting the sin that we have done, that the mankind has done. Paul gives us a clue in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He said, he made him, that is God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Herschel Hobbes said, think of it, the Son of God who never committed a sin, who never permitted an evil thought to dwell in his mind, who did the will of his Father always, was made not sinful, but sin. He carried our sin on his shoulders. If you can imagine every sin that has ever been or ever will be committed being reduced to one nauseous mass then you can grasp the horror of that which was nailed to the cross. That one spot on Golgotha was the most hated square foot of area in God's universe. God looked away from his son so that the Savior might bear God's wrath for our sin alone. By taking our sins upon himself, Jesus was utterly separated from his father. Sin in action and attitude is to forsake God. Sin in the final end is to be God forsaken and God abandoned because God cannot look upon sin. There is indeed a heaven and a hell. Jesus spoke of both. 
Jesus called hell Gehenna, which means the valley of Hinnon. In this valley was Jerusalem's garbage dump, trash, refuge, dead bodies of animals and unclaimed criminals were left and thrown there unburied. It stunk. Wild dogs fought over the refuse. Maggots infested the filth. This was the image of hell. If we choose sin, then we are, we are forsaking God and we are choosing hell. And he will forsake us. So look to the cross. The cross is where Jesus took that sin, that terrible, nauseous refuse upon himself so that he might pay the penalty for our sins. Before we make that final judgment, an irrevocable and fatal choice, don't choose hell, choose Christ and choose the cross to understand what it means. God forsook Jesus because of the sin that he carried for us. But Jesus also said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And this speaks to the substitutionary atonement of our Savior, the personal Savior that we have. You see, Jesus became our substitute, that God forgives our sins. He became our substitute to pay the penalty in order that God might forgive our sins. Jesus didn't die as a criminal. He didn't die as a martyr for a failing cause. On the cross, Jesus paid the penalty. He paid the price. He paid our penalty and our price for forgiveness of sins. He received the blow of God's wrath, which was to fall and should have fallen upon us. God's wrath was a just reward for us as sinful people, but not for Jesus. The centurion recognized that he was truly a righteous man. Jesus was the innocent who died for the guilty. Me, he said. He focused the whole point upon his death. God forsook Jesus so he might not forsake us. This is the point. This is the hope of the gospel. This is the hope of our salvation. Jesus died on the cross for us. He took the penalty of our sin for us. He suffered the agony and the pain for us. He loved us so much that he gave his own life on the cross. God did not cease to love us. It said, the scripture says that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That shows his completeness, his determinedness, his care for us, that he died on the cross for our sins. On Good Friday, we look to the cross. On Good Friday, we should understand the pain and the suffering, how Jesus' body was broken for us, and how his blood was shed for us. We look to the fact that he was hanging there, and it makes us somber, and it should give us pause to think about how great a Savior we have, what it means to know him. When we look to the cross, when we survey it, when we understand it, it helps us to be more grounded in our faith. It helps us to be 
it helps us to be centered and focused in what matters for time and eternity. The world goes on in a maelstrom, in a tornado, in a mixed up storm of misunderstandings about what really matters. It goes along saying good things are evil and evil things are good. It focuses itself on itself, its self-centeredness, its narcissistic, narcissistic grab, if I can get that word out, narcissistic grab for power and fortune and pleasure when none of those really satisfy for time and eternity. We look to the cross to understand that that moment God gave us a Savior who died for us and for our sins. A couple of nights before Jesus hung on the cross, he met with his disciples in the upper room and he instituted what was called the Lord's Supper. Our church has observed the Lord's Supper in a lot of different ways. Over the years, we tend to do it once a quarter, but it is always a privilege and a sobering thought to do it on Good Friday. I hope that you came in and picked up a cup, and if you'll get it for uh, right now and get prepared, we'll observe the Lord's Supper. But what we want to do here, as Jesus said, that we can do this in remembrance of him, is to focus on the cross, him hanging there. Because he was telling his disciples, his followers, that as they partook of the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, that they were symbolizing what he himself in just a few matters of days would feel and experience the agony and the pain on the cross. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed. Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you'll take that little wafer there, that old piece of bread. And let's pray over it and thank God for the fact that Jesus agonized with his body on the cross. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, in our mind's eye, we see the cross, the three crosses that are there, the criminals on either side, our Savior, our wonderful Savior hanging there with the, the spear mark in his side, with the Nails in his hands and his feet, the crown of thorns. His body is being torn up and broken for us to pay the penalty for our sin. As we eat this bread, we do it in remembrance of you, Father, in remembrance of Jesus as he hung on the cross and as you, Father, accepted that crucifixion, that death, in order to pay the penalty for our sins. Help us, Father, as we take this bread, never to take Jesus for granted, to make light of the cross, to think that it doesn't matter, but help us to understand that it matters for all eternity. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please take the bread. Eat ye all of it. Paul wrote and said in the same way also he took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We have the cup here and you can pull it back a little bit. Jesus lifted up the cup and I believe he blessed it. Let's pray and bless the cup. Father Jesus used the bread of, and the cup of the Seder meal, of the Passover celebration, but he infused in it a new thought, a new understanding, because he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood, that Jesus on the cross, as he hung there and died for us, would institute a new covenant a covenant of grace and love, a covenant of forgiveness because by his broken body and by his shed blood, we come to be part of that covenant, to be part of your family. Because this blood is shed for many for the remission of sin. And as often as we do drink it, Father, we do remember and proclaim the Lord's death. Yes, the Lord's death on the cross, the cross, the agony of the cross as his blood was shed, as it dripped from his hands and his feet and the spear in his side and from the crown of thorns on his head. He shed his blood for us that we might receive forgiveness for our sins. Father, as we partake of this cup in symbolizing the blood, help us never to take this for granted never to make light of it, never to laugh at it, never to make it less than it really is, and that it matters for time and all time and eternity. Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he knew that the blood that was shed would pay the penalty for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink ye all of it. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come tonight and to worship and to observe the Lord's Supper. As we sing our last song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, give us a picture in our mind and in our hearts what must have taken place on that cross? It wasn't a good sight. In many ways, it was a circus, people laughing and joking and scoffing at Jesus. But it was a place where Jesus offered his own self, his body and his blood, on the sacrifice, on the altar of sacrifice, to redeem us of our sins. We pray, Father, that while we know this is Friday, that we know that Sunday is coming and you will raise Jesus up from the grave. But Father, we remember the grave and we pray that you'll help us to remember its importance and its significance. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Will you stand and sing with us, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross? <laughs> 